ma te tukumaha ka mama te mahi. Work is lightened with a lot of resources. He mihi tēnei ki a koutou katoa, nau mai hoki mai ki te hōtaka nei o te ahikā, ko Maraia Rakuraku tēnei. Ko Justin Murray tēnei. Kia ora tātou katoa. Welcome to Te Ahikā, your weekly Māori fix from Radio New Zealand National. In a couple of days' time, Tauranga Moana will be going off as it plays host to kapahaka teams representing iwi from around the country. Theuta Rolleston tells us about the work behind the scenes. We have a total of um, 320 volunteers. The different areas that they will be involved with is like um, 13 different areas, I guess. You know, these the usual like health and first aid. There's also be uh, there'll also be a kids zone area that'll be part of the whole um, structure of the festival. Sometimes it seems Māori Health statistics are all doom and gloom. Yet there's people out there doing their bit to improve the situation. The reality is, you know, if we don't get this heart disease thing, um, we're going to run out of kaumātua. Because most of us whānau know or have somebody in our whānau who's died too young from a heart disease. And we go, oh, oh, mamai, you know, what a waste. Well, it doesn't need to happen. Dr Brendan Hukofetsu is concerned about how Māori male masculinity fears when portrayed in movies like Whale Rider and Once We're Warriors. Oh, there's heaps of things about the film that just didn't make sense. Like, what else? Just, I've never seen a, I've actually never seen a Māori man like Kurupaka. You know, I've never seen someone that's... Um, that hard on his mokopana? No, 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 you'd never see that, eh? You know. And I'm in Kafia where I try some traditional kai Māori. First up, a lesson in one of the fundamental elements of the music style, hip-hop. Beatboxing, the practice of using one's mouth, lips, tongue, voice, etc. as a percussive instrument to create beats, rhythms and melodies for music, mainly hip-hop. My name is King Homeboy, New Zealand beatboxing champion for the last three years, current beatboxing champion and the member of Omeka Supreme. Um, Omeka Supreme has many, re- many, many different words in it. Um, Omeka is, is um, spelled O-L-M-E-C-H-A. That's how you spell it. But out, out, of, out of this one word comes um, the Olmecs, which is an ancient civilization that, that um, went to, um, that traveled from Africa all the way to um, South America. And, um, and um, they're the original... Um, they're the original ancestors of um, many other civilizations like the Incas, the Mayans, and the Aztecs, who went on to do great things. Um, um, examples of Olmecs being being present on this earth. Um, you just you don't have to. You, well, actually, you have to go far from this from this island here. Um, go to Easter Island, and you see um, the statues there. Those are Olmec statues. So have you fellas taken the name because well you've got a few cultures in your in your band? Yes, we do. Yeah. Well, also also in that there's a mecha being spelt being spelt M E C H A, which means machine. It's it's a yeah. it, it means machine, and also M E C C A, which is, isn't spelt in there, it is but mecha. yeah, mecha mecha as in as in religion religious as in mecha is everyone coming together as one. Now the lineup. Couple of you feature in other bands as well. Yes, we do. Well, there's Captain Imon Star, who's, who's the leader of this group. He used to be in, um, he used to be in, um, in um, the iconic band um, Rhombus, um, and people still, people's even about 500,000 people in New Zealand still believe that he's he's still in Rhombus because they thought that the band was him. <laughs> but that's his real name, Captain Imon Star. Um, Diva Mahal, who's, who's the captain's sister, she's She's a um, beautiful singer. She's she's done BVs for um, Holly Smith and Fat yeah. Freddy's Drop. Um, also, also, um, Crete Harmy who does bass guitar for us. He he does bass. He, he's he's like um, been like one of the pioneers for New Zealand metal, you know, in in, in the eighty in the nineties even up to now. And then you got you got Miley Manzanza who's um, up and coming. Um, up becoming star of, uh, of the New Zealand dr- um, drummers um, scene. He's he's just finished his um, he's just graduated from jazz school um, down in, down in Wellington, 
So, so he's he's choice. And then you got the on the keys, um, the great Jonathan Crayford trio. Yes, he play, he plays keys for us. He's been around for many many of years. I have so much respect for him, and so does many key players around around this country and all over the world. Have many have much respect for him. He's he's been around the world. He's done. He's been there, done that, and now he's with us. And you know, I feel blessed because of that. Then, then there's the Hinatero MC who's, who's, who comes who, who comes straight from Cuba. He's been living in um, Aotearoa for like the last eight years, and, and he hooked up with us. And that's another dynamic, you know, of the different cultures being in um in um in um, Omeka. And then there's me, you know, <laughs> playing old Maori me, you know, beatboxing, been beatboxing for like been beatboxing for eight years. Um, started from humble beginnings, and now it's just taking me onto this big ass journey. Now I'm here talking, talking to people like you. you know? Now, how do you maintain being the beatbox champion? Practice. Yeah. Just been practicing and practicing and practicing. I've always, be- I've always believed, and I'm still am. Maybe sound like I'm a bit stubborn, but I always, you know, I believe in not giving up. You know. Even if it's even if it's doom and gloom and it's impossible and you're gonna lose anyway, you just don't give up, you know. And and I've I have that mentality. But at the same time, now I've been been champion for three years, you know. While other people would would dream to be a champion for that long, here's me here's me sitting in the corner like whistling away, saying, "Come on, someone hurry up and beat me." Getting bored here. Come on, I don't want to be the champion anymore. <laughs> you know, you know, and it's like what? <laughs> you know, I, I, because at the same time, being a champion doesn't mean you go along and just shoot shoot all your competition down. You got a you, you got a responsibility to uphold it. Your art form, it's your art form. It's your it's a you know. In order for in order for 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 um for greater champions to come in after you, you gotta you gotta promote it as well. So therefore, so therefore your job is to try and make your opponents, you know, but in the, in a choice and healthy way, rather than in a conflicting way, the way the way that it's been it's been held in the past, which isn't my that isn't my facade to it. Because I've been through the flames of hell, and I'd be able to bond there on the top. Don't you think about it? Because I got one message to tell you. But yeah, because of this album, we're gonna try to kill you. To the younger people out there, but to the adults who really wanna care, but this is the words that you really wanna hear. You can do, you can do anything, because there's nothing in this, but they can't do anything. You can do anything, because there's nothing in this, where they can stop you from anything. King homeboy Toby Wan Kenobi, otherwise known as Paul Tiariki Toki Love, nor Tiatiawa. He beatboxes in Wellington-based band Omeka Supreme, and you can see King Homeboy with the rest of the Omeka Supreme crew at the upcoming Cuba Street Carnival in Wellington. At our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika, these details. <laughs> In 2003, a movie came out that broke New Zealand box office records and endeared a nation to a 12-year-old girl. Whale Rider, directed by Nikki Caro and starring Keisha Castle-Hughes, Cliff Curtis and Rawiri Paratene, set in a Māori world with Māori characters, identifiably Māori things going on. Whale Rider was labelled a triumph as a little Māori girl goes up against entrenched Māori male patriarchy and wins. Brendan Hokofitsu was so incensed by this betrayal, he wrote a paper called The Death of Koropaka, Traditional Māori Patriarchy. And I met with Brendan last year to talk about it. Essentially, I think what, what we saw through Whale Rider was Western feminism put onto screen, um, which in the end has got little to do with Māori culture. 
um, it's about. And if you actually look at Nikki Caro's films, they're, um, they're feminist films, which is cool. But don't try and... Um, Dress it up and, and present it as authentic Māori experience. Yeah. And that she's helped Māori, you know, paddle off into the sunset, you know, into a, into a better future. Because it's just got nothing to do with, you know, that film had very little to do with Māori culture. Yeah, but there are some people, Brendan, that would say, you're wrong. It had everything to do with Māori culture. What do you mean? Yeah, I, I can see. I can say that there are some. There will be what you might refer to as a Maori patriarch, and maybe that kind of that sexism has developed throughout colonisation, um, and that's something that we need to look at. But you know, that's that's Western sexism. That's just you know, we're part of a Western country that's been colonised. We're part of a colonised country, so. It's not really our culture that needs to be um, looked at with regard to that. Okay, so what can you say for the for the actors or the people, the film crew, the Māori film crew that worked on on Whale Rider? I mean, you know, this is their bread and butter. How can they, you know, they may feel at their heart that what they're doing is slightly dodge, you know, but it's still their bread and butter. I mean, how can they talk back? create more Māori films. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe. Directed by Māori. Where the whole, the whole process is owned and mm. controlled by Māori. Absolutely, and you know, the problem with that is is that Māori films probably wouldn't be accepted like Whale Rider was by a global audience and that they, uh, therefore wouldn't make much money. Because the thing about Whale Rider that kind of proves to me that it's a Western film um, is that is this acceptability of Western audiences? Um, they understood everything that was happening in the film. Whereas if you put um, Māori culture up on film, they, many Western audiences simply wouldn't understand what was going on. So, so do you think that then only a Pākehā person is able to represent back to Māori that that then gets accepted by by the West? I think so, yeah. Which makes it financially viable. Mm-hmm. It's more than what I call in this paper third culture. So third culture is this kind of culture that lies beyond what is Māori and what is Pākehā, but is really acceptable to a, glo- a global audience that we can all understand. And you, if you look at the story, it's a very basic kind of story of a child breaking free from her um, overbearing parent. It's just a basic kind of Western story that you get told, retold and retold and retold. And, um, you know, all the heartstrings being pulled at the end was all about us understanding where that story was going, where this child would actually eventually break free and the, and the, the father or the grandfather would come to see his wrongs and, you know, this culture is kind of set free into the future. So just a Western globalised story that's pretty much got nothing to do with us. Yeah, because there are some things in it that um, that that are questionable, eh? Like um, the scene where they're, they're having a traditional wānanga, and yet they're speaking English. Mm-hmm. And then there are other parts in the film where there have been subtitles included. So, as a viewer, mm. it's, you know what's that? There's a there's a subtext happening there as well, eh? Mm-hmm. And just the fact it was based in Whangara or in an area where the matriarchal lines are incredibly strong mm. and they get up and fly forward at all mm. and have led their peoples. And yeah, that was the most ironic thing about the film, wasn't it? Oh, there's heaps of things about the film that just didn't make sense. Like, what else? Just, I've never seen a, I've actually never seen a Māori man like Kurupaka. You know, I've never seen someone that's um, that hard on his nukapuna. Uh, no, 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 you'd never see that, eh? You know, so, not like that. No, not straight out rejection. No, yeah, absolutely not. What have you done? Answer me. It wasn't her fault. Go wash your face.
And I think um, you know, Māori leaders are more connected to their community than that because all he was showing throughout the film was a total disconnection, which is why he couldn't see what was right in front of him. So, no. Again, I don't think the film has too much relevance to Māori society. It's just um, a reflection of um, what's happened with Western feminism, I think. I think what my paper tries to do is to suggest that there is Māori... There is patriarchy within Māori society, and what I mean by that is basically men conceiving themselves as leaders of Māoridom based on their sex. Okay, so that's how I conceive of patriarchy, and and there is. And I think this gets back to this idea of... That's a recent notion, though, eh? Mm-hmm. Because when you look at some iwi, I mean, even down here in Kaitahu, you know, a lot of the lines come from matriarchs and iwi up north, Ngāti Parau. So it, it is a recent notion, eh? Mm. Yeah, totally, it is. And that's the point of my paper is if, if we're going to just construct Māori society that way without giving any kind of room because the dangers of these films that go out to a global audience is that the global audience lumps Māori together into one group and says, well, that's how all Māori are. And that's what I see as the real danger of that film. So why don't they do that with... Um with mainstream movies in Brendan? Uh, because I'm, I'm assuming that that would be something that all Indigenous peoples suffer from. So why doesn't that happen with a non-Indigenous subject? Again, I think it's a privilege of whiteness, or the privilege of being white, is um, to have an individuality. And whereas Māori culture, Māori people, Indigenous people, they, they can be lumped in together. And, uh, yeah, and I think that kind of gets back to that notion of being traditional, primitive. So one of my um, my cousins has got the saying that if it, you know, looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck. But then when you look at um, Whale Rider, there's a predominantly Māori cast. I mean, it's set in a Māori community, but there's, yeah, there seems, and you you mentioned this in your paper that it, it has all those things. So. What are the factors, in, in your opinion, that kind of discredit the authenticity of what's been presented? Yeah, again, I think that's the real danger of the film is the way it's, it presents itself as this kind of bicultural film, and that's how it was kind of marketed to New Zealanders, at least. And when you hear Nikki Caro speak, she talks of how the community got involved with da 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 but when you, when you come down to it, the film was directed by a Pākehā. Um, and the final decisions on what you know, gets put into the film, what gets edited, etc., is Pākehā controlled. And I think that kind of reflects, um, reflects Pākehā notions of biculturalism, where Māori can add to it and be there as a community, or, but when the final decisions are there to be made, it's, it's done by Pākehā. And so that's the danger of the film as well. It's got all these authentic trappings of having brown people on screen, of having a marae, of having uh, names that are relevant to Māori culture. So define traditional Māori male. What is that? Mm, I think to start with that you need to look at uh, what is tradition, what is traditional. And uh, I think we need to go back to, to colonisation actually to look at this how notion of how tradition and traditional has entered into Māori society so that we think of ourselves as a traditional culture as, as opposed to a culture that kind of lives in the everyday, right now, here and now and that is developing and changing because I think that's what kind of should define culture culture is like in flux all the time and changing and reacting to its environment and ironically enough, I think our, our tupuna would have um, kind of looked at what we're doing right now and think, and think like we're kind of holding on to this idea of tradition is not our tradition anyway. That's what I think. Um, I mean, we're both Māori, so we've felt the, the implications of, tra- of a traditional, traditional beliefs been imposed upon us. So for me as a wahine, is things around, um, you know, wearing... A panikoti, 
in formal events wearing black. I mean, is that the sort of thing that you're getting at? Yeah, it comes down to to those um, you know those traditional behaviours that we have to align to, but also just the the very belief in in us as a, a traditional culture. I think is limiting. I think we need to live in the everyday here and now. That's not to say that we discard our past or we don't look at whakapapa or all that, all those kind well, of things. Well, those are the things that define us, though, Brendan. Yeah, exactly. Hey, but tradition. That distinguish us from Pākehā. Yeah, exactly. But we need to... But I don't think tradition should should distinguish us from Pākehā. Because it's just the trick of the Pākehā to call us traditional culture. Because it relates to how they... Thought of, her, thought of us as a primitive culture, whereas you know modern European society was progressing forward and um, changing and evolving. Whereas they, when they came across um, indigenous people all around the world, what they basically saw was people stuck in a rut, and that's how they conceived of us. And I think that's kind of been a, a part of the colonial processes, constructing us as primitive and traditional. So initially that's how they've seen us, but it's also how we've started to see ourselves as well, eh? I mean, that's that's what the real... I mean, would it be fair to say that's what the power of colonisation is, is mm. that we've placed those self-limiting beliefs upon ourselves? Yeah. So what would be some examples then? Uh, well, you gave a couple of good examples. I think like, um, say for Māori masculinity, for instance, how Māori men construct themselves, how Māori men see of themselves as physical. So take Māori masculinity, for example. Um, if you, I think that Māori men construct themselves as traditional. And I'm not too sure about Māori women because it's not really my area of study. But I, I, I would hesitate to guess that Māori women don't, um, don't so much construct themselves as traditional and are more ready to break barriers. And I'm not saying more Māori men are like this at all. Uh, I'm more saying that that is kind of something that we need to look at. And all of what I do is kind of just putting ideas out there as opposed to kind of saying this is how it is and this is the truth for everybody. So, Brendan, why does it happen then? Why do Māori men do that? In your opinion, uh, again, it's part that? of the colonisation process. Um, for instance, if we look at rugby. See, that's what I would consider as part of kind of a colonial, traditional Māori masculinity. Would be things like rugby, uh, physical labour, um, kind of being in the physical realm. I guess. So those are the things that Māori men are good at: mm. playing rugby, um, going out and chopping trees yeah. and so again that's that whole self-limitation stuff that that's the only thing that you are good at mm. so you gave an example in one of your papers about about yourself and you know playing sport with your f- and allowed yourself and your father to bond mm. but in a way showing an interest in anything academic would it be fair to say that kind of distanced you? Mm. Started to distance yourself from your father and maybe your peers? Uh, not so much from my father, but um, yeah, possibly f- from my peers. I, th- I don't think some people really understand or want to engage with what I do. Yeah, but I, I, an example of like an advert that I really like is that guy, and I'm not too sure if he's an actor or what, or what but he's talking about Māori male violence. And he kind of suggests that he knew love through the physical, and that's how what he imparted. And I think that's quite an important advert because it, for Māori men, that's how we, how we, and I'm, I'm the same. I was the same. I grew up in a Māori community, and um, and it was even, even the Pākehā were very physical kind of people. We, in a Portiki, we lived in the. We lived off the bush, we went diving, everything was very natural and physical. So, um, yeah. So I think um, that advert's good because it, 
we need to start um, thinking about ourselves as 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 men that can break those physical kind of stereotypes. But I mean, if we just talk about the Ed for a moment, so he talks. I mean, he's at a breakthrough. Not all Maori men are going to have a breakthrough like that. Hey. Mm. Eh? No. Um, now the. Okay, so you see the ad and you've got, you know, you're able to analyse it and understand it. But for others seeing it, that would, that would be buying into everything that they believe about Māori. So, I mean, there's two things going on there, eh? Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword that we live in because we need to confront these things. I mean, that's the... Th- when you look at Once Were Warriors, that was the, the problematic of the film, really, was on the one hand it really confronted violence in New Zealand society in general, um, you know, domestic violence, but it, it reinforced stereotypes. And, um, but in the end, I think the film has done more good than bad. In what way? Uh, well, firstly, it got Māori on screen, and Māori became the... Um, you know the centre to the to the narrative as opposed to on the margins, but um, I do think it has brought out Maori violence in the within the communities, and it and um, and it's got pe- it got people talking about it. You know the the setback is that it just reinforces stereotypes, and and um, that will just reiterate. For Māori men to go, you know, that, that's okay. What's going on? It's Hickey's. He's got your tie, Hussey. You want to smash things, boy? You start with me! You think you're man enough to hold a tire, huh, boy? I hate this place. I'm not supposed to like it. Let me go, you black bastard. We are the same colour, boy! British used to think the bayonet was the most lethal of all hand-to-hand combat weapons. Until they came across our warriors who fought with the Tayar. You think your fist is your weapon? When I have taught you, your mind will be. You'll carry your Tayaha inside you. Come on. Kia ora, Brendan Hokofitsu no Nazi Pukina. Whether it's a hui, tangihanga or birthday, kai plays a pretty significant role in the Māori world. And we have many sayings that speak to the role of kai. He kai, he kai. Some food, some food, or food for food, that's about using food to barter with. In the past, some landlocked iwi would barter with coastal iwi for whatever kai was plentiful in their respective areas. So that could be pickle pickle, phone root, or pipi, for instance. Or even etiquette around eating kai. Kaua e huirangitia te kai, ingari e tau Do not eat without being settled. Sit down. Or in other words, what our mothers told us, say, don't eat standing up, or like what my mother used to say when I used to eat standing up, sit down, you're not a horse. And here's another one. Kōrero ana koe te toa i te kōrero o te riri noiho. Ki raro he kai anō. Again, a busy person needs to pause to eat and give eating due attention and respect. And that's what you discovered, eh, Mariah, when you went to the Kafia Kai Māori Festival or the traditional Māori Kai Festival. That's right. The care and preparation that can take from a year to a week with Kai Māori is all part of the enjoyment, especially when it comes to savouring the end product. Um, now, you've got a couple of dishes here, pūpū and kamokamo pickle. How do you make that? Well, 
tuatahi haere ki te moana ki te kohi. Ai rā, go and collect the clay from the sea. From the sea. Head off into Marakai e tupua nā ngā kamo kamo. Tōku Marakai i Aotea nei. Ka tunu. Te katoa. Now, is this a um, a dish that you've grown up eating? Hi, Ida. And what's the um, how thing or Māori motia? Pikara. Pikara. Engari no te pāgi e tērā. I haru mai te pikara. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. Hi. He kai tapi to Yamato. So, he pupu he momo kai moana. Could you describe what it looks like? It's uh, in uh, it's called a periwinkle. Uh, yeah. Um, Itemoana. Right. Yeah. So periwinkles are they in little shells Aye. that look like snails? Aye. And then. Um, Kātunu, kātango here. And then they've got kind of like a, a it kind of looks like a little bit of a seashell that Aye. covers the the entrance Aye. into the like where the snail lives. Aye. Okay. Now the next one is a pipi and a kamokamo pickle. Aye. Now pipi's just the just the pipis. Now what's savoury fluffy corn? Uh, oh well, kunga kanga nei. Well, itupani i. Itaku kāinga and kama te wā kamaro ngā kānga he nei hoki he nei ra ah yeah tango here so we're looking at some dried corn Aye. that's hanging from its uh, rusk from a rope and it's turned a different colour it kind of looks like a deep maroony maroony red colour and is that what happens when you dry it? Aye. So and next to it is Kanga Māori. And that's what happened that's what the kanga looks like when it's put into way. And that's when it kind of just looks like a shriveled up part Aye. when it just kind of shrivels. Aye. Looks exactly the same, you know, it looks Aye. just like a corner on a cloud shrivel. How long does that process take? Uh Oi tata kite kotahi tau. Aye. So that's one year. and then kamaro haere tata kite tau ano. Okay. So it's a long process, Aye. eh? Aye. Now what about when it comes to making the savoury fluffy corn? How long are we talking? Um, kia tunu i roto i te wai mō e waru haora. Oh, yeah. Mm. So putting it into some water for about eight hours. Yeah. Ka pupu an. Right. Mm. So it starts boiling. Mm. And then and then what do you do with it? Well, kōrere. Oh, neither. And this is it. Do we have a, Do we have any samples of it? This is it here. Now, you've written a note there that says, sample me, like nuts, savoury, sweet. Aye, aye. me reka. Okay. Now I'm going to give this sample me like nuts, savoury, sweet. I'm going to give that a go. Mmm. It's soft. That was a little bit unexpected. I expected it to be hard. Mmm. And it is like, um, oh, it does have that nutty kind of, gosh. It's so unexpected, I expected it to be hard. So what it kind of looks like is when people are popping corn and you get the bits that don't quite pop, it looks like that, but the difference with this is that because of the process that you've used, it's soft. Okay, now over here in a big water container, you've got some kawakawa. Aye. Pop- mm. mm. Now how popular is that? Tenu. That's some ice herbal tea, selling Aye. it for a dollar. Aye. What are some of the more, like kawaka was renowned for its medicinal purposes, right? Aye. And its uses. So, so is it like a, um, people drink it and they immediately feel 
Pepperoni, <laughs> ready to party. <laughs> oh, I had to eat the wine, huh? <laughs> okay, so it's not it's not go go juice. Go go juice. Now, every year you guys have a stall here at the Kafia Kai Festival. How long does it take for you to prepare all these dishes then? Do you start preparing them like six months ahead? Or? Oh, kite um, fakatui, kite fakatupu ngā kai i tīmata i te rātau. Engari mō te wāka tunu ai, ko tahirua wiki. Oh, okay. So it takes about what, a week to gather everything together. Now, what I was interested in is the hooky. Oh, ko pau tērā. And next year they'll be at it again. I'm Mariah Rakuraku. And I'm Justin Murray, and this is Tiahika. Head to our webpage, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Tiahika. There's web links, photos, and you can listen to past programs. And many thanks to the Waipapa Fano who hosted me at their pa, Kiaurara. Every year, Fano of Teatiawa Iwi get together in Wellington in a day known as Tera Oterokura. Organised by the Iwi radio station Teatiawa FM, the day long festival celebrates everything Taranaki and, of course, attracts stalls pushing whatever their particular kaupapa is to the hundreds that attend. Kia ora, Justin Murray here for Teahika at the Rokura Festival on a very muggy Sunday afternoon, and I'm here with um, Marama Parore, the team member, and I'm outside the marquee and they've got one heart, many lives, and there are a group of predominantly, well, men lining up for something. And I'm wondering, Marua, what are, why are they lining up for? Oh, kia ora, Justine. Mauri ora kiakui. What a wonderful day um, here out at uh, Tefiti Park. Um, we're out here, a group of uh, nurses and doctors from Farmac uh, with the National Heart Foundation, giving people free heart checks, mostly Māori men, and we're doing that because it's Māori men who die 10 to 14 years younger from heart disease. So catch them early, get them in for a free check, give them a quarter or about how to fix it, that's a really good thing. But you know what, we're also about making sure that people get really good information about medicine, because lots of our whānau are taking medicines, or need to take medicine to keep well. So the point is, you know, let's get out here to wonderful, I love, I love this festival, Tera. Fun, fun, fun. Um, and let's, you know, help, help our whānau understand their medicines or understand if they need to be on medicines. The festival today is a great way to capture that audience, isn't it? It sure is. You know, our whānau come to these festivals in their droves, and that's the important bit too. While we're looking at our men, our Māori men, and trying to stop them dying from heart disease, it's about whānau. And so it's about making sure that we afi our wahine, um, our beautiful wahine, of course our kaumatua, who we just love. Um, but the reality is, you know, if we don't get this heart disease thing, um, we ain't, we're going to run out of kaumatua. Because most of us whānau know or have somebody in our whānau who's died too young from a heart disease. And we go, oh, oh, we, mamai, well, you know, what a waste. Well, it doesn't need to happen. It doesn't need to happen. It's, so the message is, you know, get your heart checked. Once you know what, what, what the buzz is, then get on with it. You know, get, look at your kai, look at your exercise. The fellow with me today, his name's Tamati Davis. He's lost 110 kilos in two years. He stopped smoking, and he now gets out there and does the corridor with the bros. 110 kilos. 110 kilos. I'm going to talk to him. I think you should. He's a, he was a big, big unit, and his whole life has changed. And for a long time, he thought it was just hopeless. So, you know, that's, that's the corridor. You know, Modi Ordafano, you can do it. Exactly. Now, um, and, and there is a long line here, so it's it's you've attracted a steady audience over the festival since this morning. That's you know, awesome. We, we um, the only other um, tent that's got a queue like ours is the fry bread. <laughs> so I think that's a bit of a hard case. You know, the fry bread and the heart, heart disease. Hey, aha, hey, aha. Um, you know, we've had people waiting for an hour and a half to get in to see our nurses and doctors. You know, that tells me our people want to know. They want to know what's going on with their health. They want to be healthy for their whānau. And that's that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Now, Marama, 
Are you able to just, okay, it's a, it's a bit of a tight squeeze in that tent, isn't it? Okay, so what are the nurses doing in there? So you, you come into our tent and the nurses are doing blood pressure, height and weight. They're doing blood sugar, blood glucose, as well as cholesterol. And then there's a couple of nurses right down the end who are telling you, yeah, what? So what does it all mean? Because, you know, you can have all the tests, but you need somebody to sit down and say, and this is what it means, and if you make these changes, this is the difference it will make. And then we've got the Oahi Kore people there. So, you know, if people are um, cigarette smokers, we can uffy them to, on their journey. And then we've got some kaya nutrition people from Te Hotu Manawa Māori there as well. So it's a whole kind of journey, not just a, not just a blood pressure, but t- doing the whole, the whole mahi. Kia ora marama. Obviously, you've got a busy day ahead of you. Kia ora. Thank you. Ora I love it. Love it, love it. So now I'm here with Tamati Davis, who is a team member for One Heart Many Lives, outside their marquee right now at Rokura uh, Festival. Kia ora, Tamati. Kia ora. Now I had a talk with Marama, who, t- who spoke about what you guys are doing here, but from your perspective, what are you doing here? Um, at the moment I'm trying to drag as many men into our tent as I can. Um, basically, um, uh, you know, I'm not too sure if Marama said it, our, our Māori men are dying quite young. And um, I've taken it on myself, I suppose, to try to drag as many Māori men as I can into our tent that are over 35. Because the statistics are bad? Uh, yeah, basically um, our Māori men are dying 15 years younger than um, the Caucasian people. Um, you know, same as our Pacific Island men. And um, we've got too many fine Māori wahine out there to uh, leave them all alone. So, yeah, I'm working my bum off to try. Now, Tamati, you have a background... As Marama was saying, um, which resulted in you being very, very um, overweight, and she said you had a massive weight loss. Can you talk about that? Oh, yeah, um, you know, I don't think it's all that special, really. You know, but um, are I you kidding? To... <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what were the numbers, Tamati? Um, Tell us well, the numbers. I used to be 235 kilos, um, which is about 500 pounds of butter, I suppose, and I'm a what. I suppose I'm a healthy, at the moment, 125, I suppose. Yeah. So how much is the, how much weight did you lose? Oh, the most I lost was 115 kilos. <laughs> when you shrug your shoulders, Tamati, why do you sort of shrug your shoulders like that? Oh, to me it's, um, oh, everybody says it's quite special, but, you know, it was just another hard something difficult that I had to overcome that you know it's uh, I know I suppose just like learning to drive a car I had to learn how to lose some weight to get healthy and to uh, live that a little bit longer and we're out here encouraging other Māori men to do the same to get healthy or just to you know look after themselves yeah did somebody turn to you and say look Tamati you need to do this and this and this um no actually um I actually ended up in hospital, straight from the doctors, straight into hospital, uh, and basically it went from there. And I had an incident with my nephew who was 10 years old at the time. Um, he asked me if I was going to make his 21st, you know, um, which uh, was quite difficult for me. And um, I kind of made up my mind then that um, I wanted to see his 21st, you know. I was 37. And, um, yeah, I took it on myself to last 11 more years to see his 21st and hopefully all the rest of my nephews and nieces 21st. That's awesome, Tamati. <laughs> and so um, how long did it take you to sort of get on that road of, of becoming more healthier than you were? Um, you know, uh, to me, uh, dates are really specific. Uh, the first time I actually walked into uh, to a place to actually ask for help was the 7th of August 2006. Um, uh, first, uh, I gave up cigarettes at the time, which was the first of September 2006, which was 24 days later. And basically, I took it on my head, done everything all at once, and in two years, three months, I lost yeah 115 kilos. And you'll never look back since. Um, to me, I found losing the weight, you know, difficult. Um, Keeping the weight off and maintaining it now, harder than when I was trying to lose it. You know, Temptations so, uh, around you, especially yeah. here. <laughs> the longest queue, Marama said, was the fried bread. Yeah, so it well, must be hard. 
Yeah, um, you know, but I, I've taken that on myself to look after myself. I'm, I'm working my, um, my bum off. You know, uh, I try. I still fail. I still have my little binges. I still, but um, you know, it's something I have to live with and something I'm trying harder to control. And so now it's time for you to give back to say to other Māori men, look, bro, come on, man, just do this one thing. Yeah, well, um, I see Māori men walking past, and I'm actually walking up to them, and I'm putting my arm around his shoulder, and I'm asking him, oh, brother, what you up to? Come into our tent, come get a checkup. You know, um, some of them haven't had a checkup for a while, and I'm saying, you know, they might pick up something that, you know, might, uh, something that might be wrong. No, it's not long. We have some beautiful nurses in there to, to help you. And, um, you know, if I can just change the awareness, uh, awareness of one person, you know, that is a great big win for me uh, and a win for Māori people. Kia ora. Thanks for sharing your story, Tamati. Oh, thank you. And uh, it's been a pleasure. How's that for inspirational? And next week, Mariah is with Kafia-based health worker Jack Porima talking about something wahinema we should be encouraging our tāne with. And that's prostate checks. This upcoming Thursday until Sunday, it's the biannual Te Matatini Festival. We're at solid kapahaka for four days with the best of the best around the country. And a time to screech for your iwi representatives. That's right. Nui, te wakahuia, and I'm vying for whanua apanui. Uh, kia ora, Uta. Ai, kia ora. Kia ora. Um, ko te mea tuatahi, Uta. Ko wai koe, no hia koe. Uh, what sort of pressure does the iwi face, in particular iwi of Tauranga Moana, to host the event this year? Well, like any event, there's, there's always some um, pressures that occur. Uh, I guess one of the things is whilst Whilst the event is being held in uh, Tauranga Moana, it's actually been hosted by Mātātua. Uh, so the organising committee that we have in, in the Moana is made up of a combination of the people from the Hokanga and also from Mātātua. Um, now, a lot of the pressures uh, that, that, that are on us is in and around making sure that everything is prepared. Part of that is we're... Um, hosting a um, uh, whakatau for mātātua rohi into the Tauranga Moana rohi. Now, whakatau is like a welcoming Aye. address, isn't it? Yeah, he whakatau, hei uh, whakanoa ngā tāngata o mātātua mm. ki Tauranga Moana, um, uh, so that we can collectively uh, stand as one people for the whakatau for the motu on the 19th. So whakanoa ki te tangata means to sort of, you know, you may be from outside of the Tauranga Rohe, but we've collaborated on hosting Matatini as one. Yes. Aye, kapai. And um, so that's being held on the, on the 18th uh, at Maungatapu Marae. So there's uh, a pressure put on all our marae to um, stand up and be counted uh, because ma- uh, ma- whilst it's being held at Maungatapu, it's actually... Um, uh, they're doing it on behalf of the moana. Kapai. Now, we did mention um, marae there, Uta. So in terms of, of the marae in Tauranga Moana playing host to something like 36 teams, some from around New Zealand and Australia, um, you know, what are the pressures like for the, for the marae in particular? We were fortunate enough to come on board quite early on in the piece, so we were able to, um, to work through a lot of the issues that may arise for the marae. So instead of the marais having to negotiate directly with teams that were wanting to come to the marae, we came together and uh, developed um, one kind of protocol. We also worked with the groups to see whether they wanted the marae to cater so that the marae didn't, if they didn't want to cater, they didn't, they didn't feel obligated to. Oh, so how would that work then? The groups would have to provide their own caterers. Well, a lot of them actually wanted to do that. Oh, kapai. Yeah, they wanted to bring their own caterers who 
they were familiar with and you know like they didn't have to um they didn't have to negotiate menus because the people they're bringing um knew exactly what what the group ate the dietary requirements yeah. of the kapahaka group okay yeah. And that's and that's quite good because on on one aspect a marae you know with with kai of a marae it can you know hapu care about what they feed their visitors but in this circumstance being kapahaka it's okay to bring in outside caterers so to speak yes. yeah uh, but for Kapai. the you know like um, like with any kawa for any marae the marais um, in the area are providing the first kai and the ones that are catering for themselves will take over. From the and it means that the the hokanga can go and see the the matatini, eh? It means they don't have to be stuck behind the kitchen. Kapai. So if we can talk about the actual day of the festival and well, four days actually at the Bay Park Stadium where the matatini is being held, what sorts of works going on? Work will be going on behind the scenes, like in terms of volunteers. Oh, there's um, there's heaps of work. Um, I'm also part of that, pulling the volunteers together. So at the moment we have a total of um, 320 volunteers. Um, The different areas that they will be involved with is like, um, uh, well, there's about 13 different areas, I guess. You know, there's the usual, like, health and first aid. There'll also be a kids' zone area. Um, that'll be part of the whole um, structure of the festival. Um, We have a corporate hosting team, um, stalls and exhibition. Um, And, of course, these these are very important roles, like um, the gathering of the rubbish and, (laughs) you know, all of those those really important roles. Yeah, Yeah, enough to kind of keep you going right up until the day. Yes, I mean, we're still pulling our hair out and that type of stuff, but that's all part of the fun, I guess. And now, called the Uta Rolleston and Noor with the Fakatoki. And I think that's very pertinent for the um, for the work that we've all been doing in, in pulling this event together because there's been lots of us doing it. And without all the hands there, um, yeah, it just wouldn't be a goer, really. There's been heaps of people that have had um, major input, uh, especially our kaumātua, who have worked diligently alongside of us. um, And it all leads to the success of this particular event. That's us for another week. Ina kai kore o motene wiki he mihi tene kia kato. Mete kaira wiki wiki mihi ni a Gareth Watkins kia ora. Kia ora. Hey tera wiki mate fano ati a ka kia tata katoa. Mauri ora tata katoa. Mm.